Hey parents, welcome to the podcast. Today we're in week number two of our Parenting Teen series. Tracy, last time we talked about the principles of discovery and ownership. Today, we're gonna get into some additional keys for parenting teens. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but I think we should probably just start by acknowledging that parenting teens is is very much different than parenting kids. Well, yeah, and Piaget would say in like the stages of cognitive development that, you know, our kids, we kind of go through somewhat of the glory years in terms of, you know, they're kind of building on those operational skills. They're, they've learned to read. They're, they're obedient still. They still respect us as parents. They love their teachers. They love to learn. But then as we kind of make that transition in these teenage years, they're getting more into the formal operational development where they're starting to exercise their voice more. They're starting to look at themselves as separate from mom and dad. What do I believe? How do I feel about things? And it just, it gets complicated. So we have to adjust our parenting to where they are in their development. Yeah. And this isn't like a spiritual battle necessarily. This isn't like spiritual warfare, like all of a sudden, you know, some outside force takes over your your kids. You know, they were such sweet kids and now they're teens. Actually, some of it, I'm not saying there isn't some spiritual battle going on. Certainly there is. But some of this is also just the way a teen, a teen's brain develops. Before we even get to any of our uh, pointers for parenting teens today, I thought, Tracy, it'd be fun to talk a little bit about the brain and how the brain develops for for our teenagers. There's something called the prefrontal cortex. This is what's responsible in your teens for complex thinking, for decision-making, for impulse control. Sound familiar, parents? <laughs> and, and, and see, here's the thing, is that prefrontal cortex undergoes substantial development during adolescence. In fact, this is the part of the brain that is one of the last to mature, and the process continues into the early 20s. So even beyond their teenage years, they're still going to be developing. We always joked about this with our with our kids, especially our daughter joked about this with her brother, because I think maybe the girl's brain develops <laughs> sooner than the boy's brain. And so for parents with teenage boys out there, like they're, they're still developing. They don't have their adult brain they will not have their adult brain in the teenage years. I think it's helpful to remember that, that their prefrontal cortex is still developing. Or how about the amygdala? That's the emotional center of the brain that's involved in processing emotions. And that, that's, that develops in early adolescence. But during that development, it can contribute to heightened emotional responses and, and to increase sensitivity to social cues. In fact, the interplay between the developing prefrontal cortex, I know we're getting really deep, really, and I'm not a doctor. I just want to make people to know that. But the interplay between the developing prefrontal cortex and then and the more emotionally reactive amygdala can lead to, guess what, risk-taking behavior in teens. So, oh, some of the parents are like, okay, wait, this sounds familiar too, that the teenage years, especially the boys, but girls as well. Yeah, but that's also explains why our teenagers can just be all over the map emotionally and why they might say that they're depressed, why they might feel a lot of anxiety or maybe something happens at school and you're looking at it like, well, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Why are you having such an emotional response to that? Well, it's because they're, they've got a lot of inner turmoil of figuring out how 
how they're more aware of what people's opinions are of them, but then they're still developing that emotional piece to know how to like, what's the, how do you regulate your emotions to match the situation? Well, yeah, because the hormones also then Mm -hmm. develop, right? Obviously we all know that. And especially the sex hormones and all of this stuff is related in large part to the way God made our brain. This isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's helpful for parents to be aware of this, even, and we'll talk a little bit about this, that that we need to extend a little bit of grace sometimes with our teenagers because something is really genuinely happening in their brain. And as they're developing, they're going to need some help from mom and dad, you know, to sort of make it to survive these teenage years. A couple more things, Tracy, I thought it was interesting. There's something called synaptic pruning. You know, for people, synapses are... Uh, my understanding, it's the con- kind of the, like the connection between your neurons or something like that. So, like when your synapses are firing, um, that means you're really on you're on top of things. I, by the way, I feel like my synapses don't fire so well anymore. But, but for a teenager, this is super interesting. Th- there's there's this thing called synaptic pruning, where the unnecessary synapses or synapse are eliminated. Apparently, the streamlining process actually optimizes brain function, but I think probably some parents of teens might throw a flag at that and wonder if maybe the pruning synapses um, is backfiring a little bit, or maybe the wrong synapses are being pruned or whatever. That actually reminds me of this idea of of elasticity, that we, we actually can learn new habits that are the way our brain our brain can develop new synapses, new pathways, better pathways. And a lot of that I think is important. I think that's the kind of thing that we need to, you know, parents, we need to come alongside our kids, kids, preteens and teens and kind of help that assist them even as their brain is developing. So Tracy with that as a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get into a few of our a few more keys for parenting teens. We talked last week about you know the discovery principle, the ownership principle, and now we're going to kind of take a deep dive on some other things. Again, parents, sit down, get ready to take some notes. Mom, dad, have this conversation together. If you listen to the podcast, hit pause at any point and have a conversation as we are talking through some of these things. But Tracy, the first thing we want to tell parents of teens or preteens is to start with a plan. And and another way to say that is get a vision for not just for your parenting, but get a vision for your teenager's life. Well, yeah, because like we talked about last week, it's really hard to lead your kids. And as we just were talking about, because our teenagers are complex and they've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. And a lot of people would say, I feel like I lose, I lost my kids in those teenage years. They come back maybe around 18 or 19 so the reality is, as parents, like we ha- we have to parent with confidence, though, even though we're learning that there's a p- bunch of stuff going on in the brains of our teenagers and the social influence that they're feeling. And there's a lot of angst and there's just a lot of like power struggle in the home. If if parents don't have a vision or a plan, then you don't know where you're leading your kids towards. So now your kids are full of angst. Your teenagers are full of angst. They're wrestling with their own stuff. But then as parents, you're not really parenting from a place of confidence or clarity because you don't really know what you're just kind of reacting to everything that comes along. So it's going to be way better to have a plan to ask yourself some of those questions like what kind of kids are we trying to raise? What do we hope that they 
learn as they leave our house to move on into adulthood and start strategizing your parenting towards those things. Yeah, in fact, we have a little homework assignment for our parents out there. I'll put a link to this in the show notes below, but there's a there's a topic on PursueGod.org called Getting Five-Point Clarity on Parenting. And so we talk about these five different things. Uh, we talk about mission, answering the question about your mission. Why do we exist? Or so for parents, you say, what what is our mission as parents? Number two, values. What do we care about? in our parenting. Number three, vision. Where are we going in our parenting? Number four, strategy. How are we going to get there? And then number five is the culture question. How do we actually do things? Now there's a video, there's more information on this, but the but the basic idea is go through that exercise as parents and talk about, you know, really get clarity on your parenting as you are, especially as you're entering into the teenage years. I would encourage parents to do this even before their teens or their kids hit those teenage years, but get clarity on your parenting. And then here's the second thing you can do. There's actually a worksheet included in this. We encourage you then to sit down with your kids and have them do the same thing. I think as they're entering the teenage years, Tracy, we did this with our kids years ago. We walked through this five-point clarity exercise, talking about mission, vision, values. It was really an ownership exercise for our kids. We said, you you need to take ownership for your own lives. We had them fill the worksheet out. And I remember we we they brought their worksheet back a few days later. It was completely filled out by them, establishing their mission, their values, their vision. Of course, it was, it was influenced by us, but it was their own document. And then we... We posted that on the inside door of our pantry. Every time they would open that door during the teenage years to get a snack, to grab some food, they would see their five-point clarity worksheet. And so parents, I encourage you to do this. Do this for yourself and then walk through that same exercise with your kids. Well, remember how we talked about last week that the difference between our kids being renters of our values versus owners and how we talked about how a renter live somewhere and doesn't have any care about if it's taken care of or investing or seeing it as part of their future. They're just kind of living there for the time that they need it. And then they move on versus owners are really investing and treating it with care and building on that for the future. And that's what you want for your teenagers. That's why doing an exercise like this, inviting them into helping to decide what do I want for my life? What vision do I see for my life? Like some of the things that our kids talked about was, you know, certain, like a certain university they would want to get into. Okay. Well, what kind of GPA do you need to get into that university? What kind of extracurricular activities would need to be on that list to make you stand out as an applicant and had to put those in some of the things that they were like, how are we going to get there? And so they were owning that as much. We were leading the conversation, but it was their, their vision for their life and us helping them to see how do you get there. But then also just some of the values that we had about, you know, we, we talked about having family time where we would bring God's word into our home and talk about that and pray together. And that we wanted our kids to be mentoring and helping other kids. That was all part of the vision and the values that we were passing on, but they were a part of it. They then had to own the process through it. And like you said, they had that taped up on the pantry. I mean, it was up there for years. It's crazy. And it was really fun to kind of go back and reflect on that over the years and be like, okay, how are we doing in this area? What are we doing here? You know, for our son, 
He did that probably in ninth grade and basketball was like the thing he wanted to do. I want to play college basketball. So we said, okay, what would that take? But then as he hit like junior year, his interest kind of changed. So we made some adjustments, but he could see like, I don't, I don't want to have to do drills that many hours a day to be that good for this. I'm kind of changing my plan. So, but he was a part of owning that and making those decisions. I just think that's really good for parents. Have a plan and bring your kids into it. And then Tracy, that kind of connects to our second our second key, and, and this really relates to what we talked about last week, and and that is to be a good listener. Remember, you're trying to help your kids to discover, you're trying to help them to take ownership of their own lives, and that means you really need to, and this is this will be hard for some parents because you know, going from teen kid the kid years to the teen years, some parents are are like controlling people and controlling, you know, maybe, maybe mom, you're controlling or dad, you're, you're, you tend to be controlling, which is okay and helpful in a sense when the kids are little. But if you, if you keep doing that, when the kids grow older, it's, they're going to rebel, they're going to, they're going to push back. So you really need to be a good listener. Well, and also being a good listener as parents really builds trust with our teenagers that if they feel like we aren't going to just start in our lecture mode or just immediately react to something that they're saying that we can have a posture of of being a safe place to come to share the things they need to share. I think that's what every parent really wants. What we want is because I know that for both of our kids, they both would went through a season where they kind of went inwards and were quiet and it was hard to know like what's going on. How are they feeling? What, what are they thinking right now? And we just had to work really hard at creating a space that our kids knew, even if they had to tell us something that was going to disappoint us or make us sad, that we could be good listeners and could could hear them out and then we could kind of talk through it. But establishing and building trust with your teenager is going to go a long way also when you have to do more of the setting the boundaries or the discipline part of things that you want your teenagers to see you as a safe person that recognizes that they're changing and growing and maturing and that they want more independence. And so your job is to continue to mentor them through that. But if they feel like you're just going to be like letter of the law is all that matters. And I don't really care what's going on with you. They're just going to shut down that much more. And really that just leads them to want to rebel. And when we talk about being a good listener, we're not saying that you're no longer a teacher or you're no longer giving guidance or setting boundaries. In fact, that's really the next thing is you, you, yes, you need to listen, but you also need to be clear with boundaries. You also need to, you're still the parent. Now I know it's changing, your relationship with them is changing, but you're still the parent. And that means that you need to have those boundary conversations with your teens. And a lot of those conversations are boundaries about what they own and what you own and what happens if they cross the line, right? What happens if they're disobedient because there still should be some guidance and even sometimes some discipline when necessary when it comes to your teens. You know, one example comes to my mind that I remember with our daughter when she was like eighth or ninth grade and one of her friends was having like a big birthday party and they were doing like a movie in the yard and the movie was a movie that we wouldn't let our daughter see in the theater. And I don't know if you remember this, Brian, we, we were sitting in a restaurant and she was just feeling so much angst. Cause we were saying, well, what's, you know, of course, every time our kids were doing a social outing, especially junior high, well, where is this party happening? Are their parents going to be there? You know, kind of asking those questions. And so she knew that the movie choice 
was going to be a problem. And so she told us, she said, I think this is the movie that she's going to be showing. And so we had to kind of talk it through with her. Well, what are our values? What, what's the problem of, um, watching things that aren't appropriate? You know, what, what kind of consequences that might, might that have? This is one of the rules mom and dad have. Is there a compromise? Is there a way that we could, um, let you go to the party, but then maybe when the movie starts, you, we could come pick you up and just, you know, have a reason. Like you could say from the very beginning, like I can't stay the whole time or whatever. So we're not embarrassing her. And do you remember that, Brian? Like we talked through that and kind of made a plan together, but it wasn't just us saying, nope, sorry, can't go to the party. And no, you're not allowed to watch that movie. Like we walked her through, like, here are the themes in the movie. Here's what concerns us. You know, you can't unsee things and things get locked into our mind. And that can be something that can cause torment or struggle in the future. And so we kind of walked with her through it, listened to her because she really wanted to go. Um, and we, I feel like we came to a compromise that that was doable. I mean, I, I think she would have still preferred to just be there with no problem, but she went along with it. And I feel like that was a good example of, you know, us still having to have some boundaries, still training and teaching her, but letting her be like, hear her perspective and see if there was a way we could compromise. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about parents who are listening to this saying, man, I would love to have a conversation like that with my teenager, but I I don't think they would listen to me at all. I think they would push back. And it just is such a reminder that, and we, we, we're not the perfect parents and our kids aren't no. the perfect kids and they weren't the perfect teens, no. but it really is a reminder that when you're parenting your teens, you're trying to do it from a place of love and relationship. And so I... You know, that's why we really hope that younger parents are listening to this before their kids hit the teenage years because, because so much of this stuff gets shaped by the, the environment that you create in the home growing up, your genuine love for your kids, that they sense it, that they know it, that there's like a, there's a, there's a, there's an, I think with our kids, Tracy, there was an understanding that we weren't being um, heavy-handed, even though sometimes we had to set bound, really clear boundaries, even in the teenage years, that we weren't being heavy-handed, but it was really coming from a place of love. And I think some of our parents are out there saying, man, I don't, I don't know if I did that very well. I think that maybe I was too heavy-handed, or I was too much of a helicopter parent, or I created too much animosity so that by the time my kid hit these teenage years, I don't, I've kind of felt like, I feel like I lost them or maybe mm. an influence. One of their friends or, or someone at school was too strong of an influence and I lost my kid. I don't know, Tracy, what would you say to that parent who's, who's listening to our stories and who's saying, man, I wish I had that. Well, I, what I would say is it's never too late. I mean, there were so many times, like one of the values in our home was, you know, self-control using our words to the benefit of those who hear them and not yelling and screaming and swearing at each other or whatever. And there were many a time as a parent that in my frustration, I would lose my cool and I would yell and I would, I would do exactly the value that we're trying to say, let's not do that. And one of the best things, again, kind of the trust building exercise is to go back to my kids and be able to say, you know what, you guys, how, how I handled that was wrong. So I want to apologize. I raised my voice. I yelled, that's not productive. That wasn't helpful. Let's, let's circle back and have that conversation again. And let's try and do that more calmly. I needed to identify in my own mind, what was I really reacting to there? For a lot of times, it would be like a disrespectful tone. Like, I don't 
like feeling disrespected. So I would just react to the tone. And, and as the parent and as the adult, I needed to find a calmer way to say, hey, the boundary is you don't speak to me in that language. You don't speak in that tone to me. So maybe do you need a timeout? And let's try that again later rather than me matching that tone and then getting angry and me then sinning against my kids like they were sinning against me. So for parents that feel like I've lost that battle already, I still say there's time to just go back to your kids and be like, hey, I feel like I've failed in this. I feel like I've helicoptered parent or I've been more controlling. I haven't been as good of a listener as I've needed to be. And I want to I want to do better. So can we let's talk about some a new set of rules of how we're going to interact and how we're going to do this moving forward and, and implement a plan like say like these are the areas where we have concerns and so we're going to highlight those and let's come up with a plan and let's come up a plan together that we all understand what the expectations are, what the values are, what the reasons are, what the boundaries might be and bring and bring it back to a place of we're, we're working with you. I'm not going to just control you or yell at you or helicopter parent and try and just, you know, lock you up in the house and never let you do anything. Yeah, I was just talking to a dad last night. He he's he had two daughters and they're the older ones now. And then a little bit later he had two sons and he was confessing to me, he said, I did a much better job with my sons. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about gender. He said, I I with my daughters, I wasn't engaged. I wasn't intentional. I think he was a younger dad at the time, obviously. He he said, I didn't feel, I don't know if the word he used was permission or confidence. He didn't feel confident enough mm-hmm. to to lead them to lead his daughters to challenge them to talk to them and he said with my sons i've like i'm i'm bolder with them and he's still very loving but he talks about ownership he talks about some of these principles that we're discussing he helps his kids understand how to make good choices how to make good decisions and and when they screw up he shared about a time when his his son got caught shoplifting mm-hmm. And it was a dumb thing. It was a simple thing. It wasn't a huge deal, but just how he how he coached him through that. He said, "Come on, man, what'd you do? If you needed twenty bucks, why didn't you just call me?" And so, even just the way he described how he he coached his he didn't explode on his son. You know, the way he articulated that to his son, I would imagine allowed his son to to say, "My dad loves me. My dad cares about me. He's being reasonable. He's not trying to." He's not going to just blow up. And I think that that kind of parenting goes a long way um, in building that bridge in the in these adolescent years, because that's what adolescence is. It's the transition between childhood and adulthood. They're not fully adults yet. Remember, their brain is still developing. And so you need to come alongside them and you need to help, you need to be patient with them, recognize that there's stuff going on in their mind, recognize that they might not even actually even have the capacity to make the decisions that you can make as, as an adult because your brain is developed and be gracious and patient and be helpful along the way. And part of that then means, Tracy, this last thing we want to talk about, which is giving your teens some room to express themselves. And and I want to make sure that that people keep listening. I, I We're not saying like absolute room to express themselves because you still need to create boundaries it, certainly the secular world would say would say you should let them express themselves however they want to that's not what we're saying but i think for christian parents they still need to know 
you need to express you need to let your teens express themselves and there's certain areas where that's good for you to do and maybe Tracy it's good for us to talk about this especially to Christian parents because they might misunderstand this point yeah I mean to me the the bigger point of this because I know that I mean I know I had moments of um, panic over this too but it's just not micromanaging everything like don't lose the war and just win the battle isn't that the phrase something like that like don't make every issue and issue. And then on the big things, you just, you lose out on it because your kids are like, you just have never been satisfied with me. You're always harping on me. You're always trying to control me. So little things like, you know, like our son liked to wear those crazy socks that never matched with his clothes. And I just had to be like, that's okay. For some reason right now, that's just a phase. He wanted to express himself with crazy socks, which is kind of what he became known for. Um, you know, maybe some of your kids, like they want to get some ear piercing, or they like to wear a certain style of clothes that it's not really your taste. You know, I think it would be better to sit down with your teenager and be like, tell me, tell me why that style is attractive to you. Tell me why you want to do that. Why do you want to color your hair red? I don't know, or pink, whatever it is. Let's talk about it and then decide like, is that, is that something that I need to fight over? Is that, you know, a temporary thing? Is it just a phase and just not Again, to me, the bigger thing for parents of teens that I hear all the time is it's just like you're parenting from a place of fear because you're seeing like, you know, all these stories that you hear in the news or with your friends and kids that fall away and rebel and you lose them and, and whatever it is. But parents, we, we, we're the ones setting the tone in our home. And that's why like having a plan and being good listeners, these things we've talked about today are important to build that trust with your teenager and parent from a place of clarity and confidence so that if they come to you and they say, I want to wear this style of clothing and to you, that seems not attractive, or that seems like maybe that tends towards something to have a conversation and then decide, maybe ask some people in your life, mentors in your life, other families that have gone through the teenage years already, ask their opinion. Like, should I freak out over this or is this okay? To me, at the end of the day, it's like your teenager is learning how they, who they are, right? They're, they're wrestling through identity. So I would rather spend more of my energy on talking about them as a new creation in Christ, what it means to put biblical values in their heart than to wrestle over, I don't want you to wear that particular style of clothes or those socks or color your hair or have ear piercings. Parents remember that teen brain, that prefrontal cortex, the amygdala, that emotional center, their synapses, their hormones, like all of this is still developing in the teen years. So come alongside them and help them, help them to align themselves with, with God's purposes and God's will for them. You know, God gave them their brain. That's a, that's a good thing. He built them that way, but he also gave them parents. And, and so walk with your teens in these important years. And I want to I end with a, with a passage from Romans 12 when we're just thinking about the brain. And maybe, maybe for some Christian listeners, this topic was a little bit too uh, neural you know, or too scientific or something. I want to connect it all to this passage here in Romans 12, verse two, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Is that interesting? Let God transform you. In fact, parents, maybe share this 
with your teens, maybe talk about their developing brain and then share this passage and say, hey, let's memorize this. Put this up on the fridge and memorize this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Man, those teenage years are so good, are so pivotal for when it comes to this this kind of transformation. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The Holy Spirit can, can do the work. God himself can change the way we think. God himself can protect our teens in these important developmental years as they're trying to make good decisions, as they're trying to as they're trying to make friends and and make you know create vision for their own lives and as they're thinking about the next years after the teenage years as they're getting as you're getting ready to launch them from the nest all of these things god can transform them but the way they think is so important their brain their their decision making so so critical and your part in that is huge as well. And Paul says at the end of that verse, he says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if you want your kids, if you want your teens to really know God's will for them, then let God transform them and come alongside them and and help, help them to think in a godly, more biblical way. Those are some tips for parenting teens. If you want to talk about this, with your spouse, with a small group, with a mentor one-on-one, you can find all these resources online, pursuegod.org forward slash family.